You are listening to the Sickleton Noise Podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Supported by RCF. For over 70 years, RCF's passion for perfection is the driving force behind designing professional audio products and creating unique experiences for venues around the globe. The HDL 50A 4K, the latest large format active three-way line array system, is no exception. Learn more at rcf-usa.com for the latest news and product information. RCF, the sound behind the experience. For the most comfortable headphones that you can wear all day, check out the Audix Pro Studio range starting at just $99. Find out more at audixusa.com. Allen and Heath has asked us to read this. If the speed of sound is 346 meters per second in air, 540 meters per second in neon, and 1,533 meters per second in seawater, can I get through this episode faster while listening to a neon sign while surfing? I wish I could break free Back to where I'm supposed to be I wish I could break free Back to where I'm supposed to be Welcome to the Signal Noise Podcast on the Pro who? Sound Web. Oh, what? Who are, who are you? Ah, uh, hi. <coughs> hi, Kyle. It's been a long time. Sorry. Go ahead and start again. I love hearing your voice. Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> no, I mean, it's fine. They know what it is. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody's here. We've got the whole gang. we got Chris and Kyle and Sam in the house. Welcome, everyone. Yeah, if, if, if you is don't that, know what you're listening to energy, right now, Kyle? you shouldn't be listening, yeah. probably. Yeah, Kyle just took a very strong shot of five No, they can listen. Everybody like can listen. It's equal opportunity. Here. Here. I know. I'm just joking. Grape Arizona tea. Arizona yeah. Still 99 cents. I feel like anything that large for 99 cents can't be that good. For it's you. a lot of fucking sugar in there. It's a just Love astounding it. amount of sugar. Corn syrup? Yeah. Probably. Just Probably. Just crazy amounts of sugar. How are you doing, Kyle? What's up? I'm good. Just uh, walk back to the hotel so I can jump on this podcast and be a part of the community. <laughs> <laughs> um, been dropping off a lot of stickers at a lot of venues, a lot of amphitheaters, so we'll see if they last through the winter. Um, I ran in a couple here and there that weren't mine, which was special. No one believed me. Did you sign them? No. no. <laughs> we should have. Nobody, nobody even knows. I'm like, Signal to Noise podcast? And they're like, what's that? <laughs> oh, it's this thing. That's cool. It's funny. In, Amy's, uh, been, Amy's, right? been fo- Amy's been following you around, I think, with Jack Johnson. So she's been like, she's like, it's a scavenger hunt to see where Kyle has been each day in the venue. <laughs> I started being a little bit creative. Creative. Um, I am in Anaheim today, home of Disney. I did not go. There was a few guys that were off that went over to the Star Wars thing, which I'd really like to experience. But um, I'd really like to experience it with my family, not a bunch of roadies. I don't no. know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Where are you guys at? You guys both look like you're home too. Weird. I'm I'm home for a couple days. Um, then I'm flying back out to meet the ghost tour to finish up. Sam is uh, out with the ghost still tour. Out on the ghost tour. And Chris is in his magical backlit corner. Um, <laughs> Chris is in his podcast usual. cave. Yeah, my podcast cave. So, AKA sorry in about the corner this, of my bedroom. Um, this Rice Krispie treat is like the only thing that's in my house right now because I've been on the road, so y'all just deal with it. Um, however, um, 
the thing that I wanted to mention is that I believe it's um, October 20, 24th and 25th. We're going to be, the boys, not Sam, Sam's not allowed. Um, the boys are going to be at the uh, CFX trade show doing the Pro Sound Web loudspeaker showcase. So if you're going to the trade show, we look forward to seeing you out there. So I don't get to be a kid. You should come. You, you're booked. I am. I will be far away, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, 20, 24, 25, 26. Really, it's really 25, 26 are the two main days of the loudspeaker demo stuff. 24 is more like pre-function stuff. So come out and see us. Listen to some loudspeakers. We've got um, uh, they, like they, eight they, or nine manufacturers. Yeah, I'm excited for this one because the the two that I have done with you, Michael, we've only had four manufacturers. I mean, everyone's still reeling from the pandemic, right? So this is for me. This is going to be super fun to have more than four manufacturers in the uh, in the demo. So it's going to be it's going to be good stuff. Can we mention any of the brands or manufacturers that are going to be there? Can we do that? Um, is it on the website yet, Chris? I'm I'm. Keep talking. Let me try to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear I hear snippets of, of who's going to be there, but um, this really uh, cool one called Yun Jean. It's uh, from Wish.com will be there this year. Oh, cool. We'll be presenting their light up version. Comes with a DJ table. You know, I think they're onto something there. No. There you go. Um, it's those are you know what though? I see those all the time, the light up Bluetooth ones, because every catering department ever seems to love having a shitty Bluetooth speaker turned sound, up as as loud as it can possibly go. Yeah. <laughs> sound great around chafing dishes. Like yeah. for some reason chafing dishes. How has catering been on the ghost tour? Let's blow it up. How how is catering? Uh, I'm not gonna we're not gonna get it, get into that. There I was like the I think it was was it UBS was really great. UBS there, in New York, that new UBS in New was York, really, yeah. Really good I walked in there. Usually, I Ooh. do my laser shit, and then I go and I sit down in catering in the morning, and I build my little model while I'm eating something. And I walk in, and there's a guy at a table, and he goes, "Hey, can I make you an omelet?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, you can." And so he made me a ham and cheese omelet, which is great. Um, and I, I want to say Huntsville, Alabama, was the other one that had some very um, just considerate catering people and they like tried to make it really nice and they did a good job and they laid it out and yeah kind of like you kind of appreciate that when you get mommed a little bit you know when you're out in the middle of, of nowhere um, they made it they made it nice and it was tasty and they had cute little signs that label everything and you know I like <laughs> I like that I appreciate that I appreciate how for, for those who tour with catering though it you get spoiled because there's so I, many good catering companies that that do the tour now and it's like yeah, so good. Um, I was definitely local. spoiled. Most most of my tours I had, we toured with caterers. Local catering is give or take, and and trust me, I've been on the West Coast, and a lot of them try really hard, and uh, some of the flavors they come up with are crazy. Like we had Indian and Peruvian or something in the same little spread, but it was good. It was it was tasty. I, I will gonna... say this: bad idea. Best best bad idea I've ever seen in my life. A local coffee company brought a keg of cold brew. Oh. Everyone was cracked out all day long. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was so good and solely a highly caffeinated day. It was awesome. I wanna I take gonna, a I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is going to be an unpopular stance. And I'm okay, I'm comfortable taking this stance anyway. 
I don't want ultra fancy, super unique catering. I want like a good solid. I want. I'm there for carbs. I want energy. So I want like you know your go tos. Like I'm go. I'm cool with the chicken. I dig the pasta stuff. I dig the you know the omelets in the morning. Like I don't want like the suffocated kumquat wraps and all that stuff. That, that you know I just I want I want something substantial. And I don't. It's nice when there's a nice presentation, but it's not the Gordon Ramsay thing for me. I just I literally. I probably got like twelve minutes. I want to sit down and get some energy in me, and then go back to work. That's so. Um, that's kind of my catering is very utilitarian. That doesn't mean I don't want it to taste good. Of course I do, but I don't need too much like cutesy, cutesy, very unique flavors of the world type thing. Personally, I I did a bunch of R and B tours, and we had the same caterer on a lot of them, and we did soul food Sundays, which I always looked forward to. Oh, I mean, it was yeah. you know, um, uh, you know. Cornbread fish, collard greens, mac and cheese. I mean, it was like it was everything you could want and desire. It was it was amazing. Mac and Delicious. cheese is such a good go to for catering, and every time we've had it, I like go check it out and like kind of got a little mental database of all the different mac and cheeses that been been rating. Trying to like you know, <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty into that. So um, the other thing that that we've discovered is like. Olive Garden is always fucking safe for like day off. Yeah. We've done a lot of like Ubering to Olive Garden and uh, uh, just we did the whole we took the whole audio audio team uh, out there and we did we had team had audio dinner at Olive Garden some, that was pretty good. Had some fun at Olive Garden. It's, it's always okay. safe, man. Yeah, consistently okay. Never the greatest, never the worst. Does it's the consistent thing. though. You know what you're getting. It's a known quantity. I appreciate that for what it is. So. Um, all right, Chris, what are we talking about tonight, Chris? Well, real quick, I did look up the loudspeaker demo um, okay. yes. uh, manufacturers, which is cool. Um, so, it, and sometimes this fluctuates, so there may be some adding, I'm not sure. But as it stands now, we got RCF, um, Ranktus Heinz, uh, TW Audio, Biamp, which confuses the hell out of me because that's basically community. Because uh, community was bought out by Biamp, so that's likely community speakers, not Biamp speakers. But I could be wrong. Um, and actually, Biamp slash. I bet community, you're going to learn about the products, Chris. <laughs> I, I will Biamp, but I'm going to keep calling it community. Is literally right up the road from me. So uh, community uh, is in like Chester, PA, which is literally like 15, 20 minutes from you know, like the warehouse is from me. Anyway, uh, Innovox, which we've had on both CFX and NAM this last time, um, Oceanway Audio. That's a new one. Uh, to me, uh, and Crest Audio. Um, yes, and 2526 will be the days of the demos. So, anyway. And let's just let's just say a lot of people sort of maybe have a mistaken idea of what these demos are. It's not a shootout. Correct. It's not to see who can go too louder than everybody else. In fact, everything's level matched. Um, it's an opportunity for people. Now, this one's CFX, so it's a house of worship market. So people who are interested in getting a new sound system for the house of worship to just hear the systems, talk to the reps. The reps are there to talk to you. I mean, Kyle, you can talk about this. You did that work for, for a while. Talk to the people, get information about budget, get information about weight, get information about power consumption, get information about service, build the relationships with those companies. Does it come in white? You know, it's just a chance for people to hear these products and get familiar with them. And I, um, the, the, big, the go, biggest thing for me was, we as audio engineers, we have assumptions of what our memory is in terms of, oh, I heard this system, it sounded like X, and I heard this system, it sounded like X. 
uh, having the experience of literally hearing the same track across five, six, seven, ten different things instantaneously, it's you don't get that unless you come to this, right? And so it's like you know um, that is amazing to hear uh, you know, the the bouncing back and forth. So each manufacturer typically does some type of point source or column small ground ish thing, um, and then some form of a flown line array system. So it's, you know that that's typically how these um, demos go. Yeah, and you know I think it's there's a lot more to it than just standing in front of me going, oh, I like the way that sounds. Yes. Because as we as we know, that is largely determined by the person's design decisions and who tuned it that day, you know, it's, it's, there's, those are those factors, but you know, what does it sound like off the side of it? What does it sound like behind it? Um, you know, mm-hmm. what's the rigging like? Uh, I mean, really does it come in white? That's like a real, a real question. That's really important for, I mean, Kyle, you were, you were rep for a loudspeaker. You're doing these types of demos. Can you talk about sort of your experiences with that? Uh, know your product. I mean, that, that was <laughs> the big thing and be passionate about it. Um, if you don't know, Ask somebody, especially if someone gets into a spec that you're not quite familiar with or application you're not quite familiar with. But you're right. The very first thing you said is building, you know, a community, talking to people, networking, get to know your reps. They'll all have a different polo on in about, you know, five years. That's normal time cycle for these folks, five to eight years, you know, unless they're lifers of the company. Um the cool thing with the smaller manufacturers that we're doing, I won't even call them small because Rinkus and RCF by themselves are huge, but um, it's just being able to see different applications, like Chris said. Um, a lot of production houses, AV supply companies will buy one brand of everything. They'll have tower speakers, they'll have boundary speakers, they'll have install speakers, they'll have all the way up to line array. Um, the only... I think the only place that I really saw a large deployment of line array was in Hamburg. At, what is it called? Plaza? No. Pro Light and Sound? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, NAM when it was full swing, Michael, the last time when it was full swing, like 19, did you guys have like something like 15 yeah, we, plus? So uh, Nicholas Rodina, who is a ProSound web contributor, he in the past has been the A1 for a bunch of these. Uh, and so I wasn't involved with the NAM one in 2019. But oh, okay. yeah, they did it in the arena. And I had something like 14... 14 manufacturers. So it's a literal arena and you have, you know, a bunch of rigs up in the air. Um, I kind of want to go in a different direction with this because this is something I've been thinking about. Um, It sort of ties into this. And I'd love to hear, particularly love to hear Kyle's thoughts on this topic. We'll talk about like brand loyalty, but in a different way than we usually think about. Mm. Um, Because we say companies are just people, right? And so companies make bad calls because Mm. people are people and people make bad calls and people work for companies. It's to me... You know, Kyle, we've had this experience. We were at a trade show and you see so-and-so that you know on the floor. And, oh, you're with this company now? These people, you know, they're in the industry and they work for this company and then they go work for that company. So if you are, um, I guess, battling for your supremacy of your particular product above all else in the world, five years from now when you're at a different manufacturer, then what? Like, what did you gain by that? Because, you know, you have to remember these interpersonal relationships um, and you have to preserve those Um and those are more important than convincing somebody that your particular product is the best thing out there because those people are going to move and those people are going to shift to different companies. And you could be in a sure. situation where the company wakes up in the morning and says, we don't want you anymore, Kyle, get the fuck out. And now what? You burn all your bridges for some company that doesn't care that you're even there. So I, I think 
a part of these demos for me and trade shows in general is to see friends and humans in the industry. And sure, I want to talk to you about the product that you're repping. I want to talk to you about this new thing. But, you know, we have friends at Rankus. We have friends at RCF. But, you know, those people come and go and they go to other places and they're still my friends when they go someplace else. And I just think sometimes you got to remember that because there are there are some people who try to make it more of a turf war than I think it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, There is room in the industry for more than one loudspeaker manufacturer. There is room in the industry for more than one console manufacturer that the the choice and selection is what makes this industry exciting to me as somebody who likes to learn about these tools. So I just want to like throw some water on this whole just battling of, of, you know, camps at the expense of, of personal relationships. That's all. And, and that's, that's, that's important to talk about, I think, because you mentioned, I mean, you have the folks that work for the actual manufacturer, and then you have the sales reps that work for the actual company, which a lot of those times, one of those persons is the same person for both sides of that card. So I think um, I'm, I'm, I put faith in humanity way too much. I think most of the people that, that do switch companies bring their integrity with them. And I, I think that has to happen because uh, my first gig with Midas, I was like the, the, the animator for Pixar. Like I got the dream job that I always wanted to because I love those desks and I love the history and I love the people that use them and I had a passion for it. But then when I went on to do other manufacturer stuff, um, especially with Midas, when, I, when they let you know all the customer service go, uh, I didn't want to take a job with another console manufacturer because there's here's the deal. There's so few console manufacturers that you actually find on tours. True. I mean, there might be a lot of loudspeaker manufacturers, but there's not a lot of loudspeaker manufacturers that you find on tour. And I think it's hard to keep the integrity when you keep jumping around between the touring brands, because then it's like, Hey man, I believed you when you told me this stuff, like, it's like used car salesman. You are you telling me the same stuff about the other company you're working for? I mean, mm-hmm. and that's a fine line. And I think a lot of tours do it as well is brand loyalty just because they see a certain logo or a certain production company or a certain artist using something. They think that they need that stuff. And uh, we've talked about it before on podcasts. And I think that everything is such a, at a high level right now. It's like, you're not going to get much variation. Well, there's a, there's a, so Jeff Hawley's been doing a series of articles for Live Sound International. I believe his second one's coming out probably about the time that people will hear this episode. And he's talking about the ethics of marketing, right? And Jeff, as you know, we know we've had him on the show a bunch. He's studying philosophy and part, there's a lot of ethics in, involved in that. And he's like, look, my job is to try to influence people. My job is to try to get people to consider buying a, a whatever thing for whatever company I'm working for. Right. So, um, there's a way to do that ethically and there's a way to do that not so ethically. And I think something that I've been thinking a lot about lately is there are some manufacturers who I think are doing better jobs than other manufacturers at fairly represent, like fairly representing their things, fairly talking about the benefits of their product. Um, If you have to make fanciful claims in order to convince someone to buy your thing, then that kind of casts doubt on how good the thing really is. If your thing's really that good, just tell people about it, you know? Um, but here's I, a good thing to ask Jeff and maybe for us to talk, yeah. talk around is what if Jeff lost, lost his job next week right. or went right. to a different console manufacturer next week? 
right? But, but it's not his face doing the thing in his marketing. There, so I, I feel like there's a bell curve here in his in the timeline of manufacturers in our industry, right? Because there was a point where maybe three, four manufacturers were the people who, yes, you did choose you know, all these decisions based off of a logo. Um, and, and, and if someone was preaching one logo, but then jumped to another, you would question it. Whereas we would all agree that we've gotten to a point in our industry in, you know, we see it through these loudspeaker demos, um, and, and console demos or whatever that like, look at the end of the day, just about every major manufacturer makes a decent enough product that at the end of the day, you could do your job really well. And that, that goes from consoles to microphones to, to speakers to you name it, right? So even the even the like lower tier stuff is great. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's so, all yeah, so, yeah. So what so I think that the devil's advocate to Kyle, what you're saying, like, hey, I believed you over here, but you're over here. Well, that's a little bit easier to take now because at the end of the day, Yes, each company has their own special sauce or their own take, and I understand where you come from, Michael, and and that's maybe a, a well. I think it's about the claims that are being made. Sure. You can you can look me in the eye and say I like I work for whatever I work for M brand consoles, and here are some benefits of M brand consoles, and then I can <laughs> lose my job and go and work for A brand consoles and say here are some benefits <laughs> of A brand consoles, and those can be those can be truthful statements. What's not as truthful is if I work for manufacturer A and go this is the best thing, and then I go to another manufacturer and now I'm still saying well this is the best thing. So like that's sort of what Jeff's digging into. What is best? If you say our console sounds best, what does that mean? Is that an objective statement versus let's talk about the technical benefits? Right. Those are, there's different ways of framing that. I think that's part of it. And I also think, here we go, buckle up for this one. You want to talk about an unpopular opinion? Woo! Okay, here we go. Um, I believe that rider friendliness is a thing that is dying. It's dying slowly. But, Chris, you're talking about the historical context of this. You're talking about an era, and, and Bob Bob actually wrote about this in the foreword to my book, which is pretty cool. Um if you, you look, wind back, I have a book, but we're not going to talk about it right now. If you wind back the clock, um, there was a point when a lot of the loudspeakers on the market were proprietary. And Chris, you've done a lot of work on how we got loud talking about this right. type of thing. And so part of the reason that you saw writers going, hey, it has to be JBL or whatever, right, is because they didn't want something that some dude made in his basement. They wanted to go to 10 different cities and buy the same, have the same box. And, or somebody and, wanted a kickback. I mean, just right, but but when you when it was when it was a lot of it was still proprietary. Having something that came off an assembly line and there were a hundred of them out there that all were matched was a big deal. So it was, it, it was it, it's, consistency, right? It's the Kleenex effect too, right? I mean, you know, the the right, earliest but, people to but, market. But follow me on like, this. Let's, real quick, but the earliest people to market like JBL, who were you know some of the most original, uh, one of the one of the original actual cone manufacturers, right? It's it's the. Um, Synonymous, how would I say that word? Uh, a tissue, synonymous. A Kleenex, synonymous. Thank yes. you. Um, you know, so I mean that that that's I think what initiated some of it. Well, and, yeah, and but if if you're going to do ten cities and your options in each city are, I'm just using, I'm just speaking JBL, JBL sure. or this thing that this, this company made on their own. If you do sure. this thing, this company made over own ten times in a row, you have very very different things, right? In 2022, everybody's stuff is consistent within like pretty solid margins. And so sure. I think now these saying, well, it has to be this brand of PA or whatever. 
that was chasing consistency. But in 2022, the biggest factor of consistency is who's doing your design, who's doing your deployment, who's doing your tuning. Because I've gotten 10 PAs by the same manufacturer that sound wildly different because the person who sure. put them in made different decisions. So I, I am saying that the idea of rider friendliness is slowly evolving into the majority shareholder there is now the operator, the designer, the person who's in charge of these systems, and it's not so much the logo on the front because I think it's um, always I, I just think it's changing. I, I, it has, I, I but still, I think people are trying to realize that now. I, I laugh, like I just I'm doing a festival this weekend, right? And so I've had to review riders <laughs> for that very reason of uh, and. I laugh so hard every time I see these riders of like must be a ten thousand watt or whatever wattage you know put put whatever number value you want in front of wattage it lists in the description must you know and it's like that doesn't mean shit <laughs> like it's literally lawyers or whatever putting copy on paper you know um, well that's a different it, I mean that's a whole different topic what's this whole you know the, the one, you want to talk about unethical marketing. This is the the only example I think in pro audio where the FTC actually had to get involved. Like that's how bad it got amplifier ratings, um, and how far removed from reality they are. Um, you know, and and Pat Brown's done a ton of good work on that. But yeah, it, it turns out that you know the things that are actually meaningful, like sensitivity and max SPL, and um, you know up voltage gain of amplifiers, like those are, are a lot more helpful in determining these things, and they're not at all impressive to put on a on a spec sheet. So we keep going to this wattage thing, which is completely ridiculous from an engineering standpoint. Um, but that's another discussion. I'm just saying, I I would like to see more attention paid in the industry in general to the claims that manufacturers are making about their products, because uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to convince someone of the benefits of your things. Yeah, I, the problem Why are you there. Making that though, face, Kyle. <laughs> w- w- wrong way to convince w- you is to have that thing showing up on a on a date where you didn't expect that thing to show up. <laughs> <laughs> but so how how do we as an industry circumvent that education? Right. So where where does yeah uh, education's yeah I mean education is a big part of it. So us having enough understanding of concepts and fundamentals to look at a claim and be able to think logically about that is this is this nonsense right can i do some back to napkin math here and figure out whether this claim makes sense um that's because a part of it people's people's initial gut reaction oh well if they're hmm i i think people may have a hard time distinguishing difference between hey is this marketing or is this the air quotes science that this manufacturer is preaching right and so, right. hey, they obviously have electrical engineers and whatever, so they must know what they're talking about, right? They must be saying this. Well, that's, right? like, for instance, this is where you I, get into I, the mess. But no, but I fell into this trap, right? And anybody who in the early 2000s went to any line of manufacturer for training, you were preached cylindrical waveforms. Am I right? Probably. Yeah, right? probably were. Yeah, and 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 so, and so at the time you're like, okay, I, I'm look. First off, I'm a high school dropout, so I, I am <laughs> I, I am I am in no place to question math and physics and all these things. Okay, yes, sir, person who's up front telling me that this is the thing, this is how I should like, right? So, like, 
I guess what's t- what's tough is it's the the continual day of information that we live in, right? And, yeah. and having to train that. So but, can we trust? Yeah, there's a trust issue there. So so, so who, what you have who, who is who is the standard? Is is right. AES a standard? Is what is whatever the the standard? Are there enough white papers that people have access to and can comprehend to question these things? Or yeah. how does someone know when to question this stuff? Yeah, that's well. I mean, quite, quite, trust but verify, right? That, that's that's part of the of the mantra is is like um, the, there's never a world where I don't check. I'm going to check anyway, even if I believe you. Uh, uh, AES helps. The fact that it's peer reviewed is huge, but people make mistakes. Um, the fact that a lot of it's paywalled is is not great. But I think that the thing is, you have manufacturers like let's talk about loudspeaking manufacturers because loudspeaking manufacturers do a ton of education, more so than mic manufacturers, more so than calls manufacturers. Sure. Where you've got people who work at these companies and publish. White papers. I mean, I've, I've, some of the papers that I've, that I've co-authored, they have co-authors from DNB and from L Acoustics and, and Meyer and like all of the major manufacturers have people who understand this math at a wicked level and are wicked smart and are know this stuff and are pushing forward the limits of knowledge and, and publishing research on it. But they also have marketing departments. And those aren't the same people, <laughs> right, making the statements <laughs> or, or whatever. So sometimes it's like the left hand and the right hand aren't talking. Where you hear these statements, you're like, that's a ridiculous thing to say, but I know that someone at your company knows knows better than that. And I don't know how much is just lack of communication, lack of oversight, how much of it is intended to mislead. I would like to hope that it's not intended to mislead, um, but there have been instances where definitely things were intended to mislead. Um, and this is not new. It's but like I the think, picture of the Big Mac compared to the one that I get. Yeah, yeah exactly, dude. <laughs> so I, I think part of the challenge is you have a loudspeaker manufacturers who uh, are selling a thing, right? But they also position themselves as educators. And like you said, Chris, they're doing training. You can take you can take training from every major loudspeaker manufacturer. Um, and so you inherently are are dealing with both marketing and and you know what I'm going to term education. Um, my thing is I don't buy speakers, right? You don't have to convince me to buy your stuff because I don't own a rental company. I don't own a venue. I don't buy speakers. I just work on them. So let's put aside the whole why I should buy into your thing. And let's talk about the science of how do I actually operate this tool? That's what I want to talk about with you because I'm not at a place where I make purchases. Um, so I, I just think I am. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but still you want to make informed decisions. And I, I think, this is it's, it. Really, is a tricky one, man. It really is um, because there's no. Um, it's the not tricky, like we're selling. Go ahead, Scott. The I'm tricky sorry. might be um, the ROI of what you just said. Yeah, the, long, it's a long play. play. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, there's there's um, market share. It, it drives it right. Market share, um, rentability. Right. So like that, like back to the rider thing. I mean, and like me as a, I'm a decision maker in purchasing, right? Anyone who's had to check any these boxes for magazines, one of those options are you decision maker for purchasing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I had to check, I checked that one. Um, hence I get spam mail, but anyway, um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, like for instance, the manufacturer that we bought into, uh, at the company I'm at, a big decision went into this of, and was pressed on me like, Hey, we know you want to make this decision because we, you think this speaker sounds good. It deploys well, all those things, but we can't sub rent it as easy. So is that really mm. the best decision here? Right. right. The people who are going to buy, buy into that were like, Hey, 
I don't know, these five other companies we can subrent from and, and our subrent defenders are going to use these other two boxes. Why, why shouldn't we just do that, even if it costs us a little bit more? Right. So like those, unfortunately, are major decisions for a lot of these companies, because at the end of the day, it's still a, a, it's a, a bean counting game, unfortunately. And it, well, but, it always is. But I would posit that, again, 2022, at least for me, the reason to buy a particular loudspeaker or console or whatever has very little to do with the sound in this day and age. Because as we said, everything's pretty good now. So we're looking at, we're looking at, you know, like you said, can I cross rent it? You know, what's the return on investment here? So, uh, you know, guy I work with in this little town that I have here, he could never buy from Meyer DNBL Acoustics and make a profit because his company's too small and his clients yep. just, it, it would, he'd be paying it off for 15 years. So he goes to a, a tier two or tier three manufacturer and he becomes profitable yep. in 18 months. Right. And that's not about sound. That's about, can he set it up with himself and one other person? That's about, can it fit into this 10 foot truck? Cause that's what he has. That's about, can I hang how many on this point? Because this is this venue can only, so there's all these other things. Sound is really not even close to the top of the list for me. And I think it's probably not for a lot of other people, but I'm just talking more about the me- the messaging that manufacturers present. And it's proven that, you know, flashy marketing stuff, even when it's misleading, it's proven that that works. It's profitable. If it wasn't profitable, people wouldn't do it. Um, so you're talking about having the ethics to choose the good of the industry and moving knowledge for everybody forward and putting that in front of the, the short sighted, which is, yeah, but I want to get this sale today. Um, and I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there yet. Sam looks like she's sleeping. Are you sleeping, Sam? She's no, beat. not asleep. Just kind of waiting. She's you, beat, you can dude. talk. You guys are allowed to talk. Let's talk about we are beat. beat right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's here's the thing with the marketing stuff, right? Like, is that the people that work on it, the people that buy it, and the people that the people that fix it, the people that buy it, the people that tune it are oftentimes three different people. Sometimes the people that tune it also fix it. Right? Like you have. And so if you're purchasing it, I understand that the flashy statements and the non-objective statements of marketing can carry weight because you may not be the person inside the speaker. I get it. And I have never had to make a purchasing decision, thankfully, and have no desire to. Um, <laughs> but I have spent a lot of time inside of things, inside of speakers. And I've spent a good bit of time learning how to tune them. And it's your mindset changes. Well, that's something I like about doing, like, like Chris is saying, these, uh, these events, right? Um, yeah. The CFX stuff. I touch most brands of loudspeakers in my work. I, I see pretty much everything. Um, and there are a lot of manufacturers on that list where I can flip my phone. Out. Well, I guess I don't flip my phone in 2022, but man, I, I kind of want to go back <laughs> to the flip phone thing. But I can pull up my phone and go, hey, I'm standing in a fucking venue right now and your thing's doing this. What do I do? And there's a lot of manufacturers that they're going to pick up and they're going to a- answer my questions. And there are some that won't. Um, and so for me, be, building that relationship with these people, um, you know, there's a, there's a guy I know who's he's head of, sales for the country for this loudspeaker brand and i was doing this design project and i said hey let me just show you what i'm doing and i trust this guy with my life right which i don't say that about many sales people i would be honest with you right so i sent him my thing and he said i see what you're trying to do that sub that you have spec isn't going to do that he said you want to go up one and so the question now is is this guy being 
doing his job as a sales manager and trying to sell me right. a, a more expensive thing, right? Or is he, or is he like giving me, you know, educated commentary based on the fact that he's familiar with these products? He might have been. And on I said, so you better be nice. But like you haven't told the story talk about. Before. No, Wait, have I? Okay, okay. Yeah, but, the damn podcast. Oh shit! It's the well, rela- okay. it's the relationship thing that we, we we started this conversation off right. The particular manufacturer yeah. that we as a company bought into, and 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 I appreciate that we're all basically trying to be agnostic here and not saying names. Um, but anyway, the the manufacturer that we bought into, honestly, the reason that that manufacturer is even on my radar is because of a relationship I had, and this person mm-hmm. said, "Hey, you're coming to Infocom. Hey, come to our demo room. Come come check this out." That manufacturer wasn't even my radar, come but I trusted McCormick and Schmicks. <laughs> I wish uh, n- next time, but anyway, um, uh, but I was like, it, it wasn't it, the relationship is what brought me into that room. Now the product still sold me for a lot of different features for a lot of different reasons. Whatever you know, that's a whole other thing. But like the and and then having that perpetual relationship with this person of service and questions and all these things and. Uh, honestly, I mean the the relationship with the vendor certainly played a big factor into me buying into that brand. Well, but that's that's kind of the whole thing we talk about all the time in this industry is it's about you know if you know good people, they're going to be willing to help you, right? And it's it's great to have friends. And I mean, just before this, I was talking to Custer, and we were just chatting and catching up, and I I was asking him for a little bit of advice. Um, because like on this tour that Michael and I are on right now, like I'm doing a different gig than I usually do. Right. Like I'm on the other end of the snake, um, which has been fun. It's been very, you know, it's been a nice change of pace in a lot of ways. It's been a nice reminder of how to do a lot of things. Is it a reminder uh, really what you don't want to do? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't was, know I if should... I necessarily want to say that, but I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I did. I will say that I started out as a monitor tech, and there, we're doing a lot of really cool things on this show. That it's been, I've taken it as an opportunity to learn about areas that I'm weaker in. Like I don't have a strong background in playback. I don't know a whole lot about it, but there's a really cool playback in the monitor world integration. We're doing a lot of really cool uh, different tech things in terms of just how we're getting things places, whether it's MIDI or audio or doing conversions. Um, and so I've gotten to learn a lot about things that I have not had to spend a whole lot of time with, especially in recent history. So it has been really nice in that regard. But that's like what we're saying. We talk about it all the time. It's, it's all about the people and just taking everything as a learning opportunity, whether it's, learning how to fix something from a speaker manufacturer because you bought a whole bunch of their stuff because sometimes things just break. I got a question for you, Sam and Michael, you can do it after this is you guys have both been doing the podcast for some time. now, And Chris and I talked on a couple podcasts ago about things that we've been taking away from things that we've talked about here What's the the standout on this tour that you're doing where you're like, man, we talked about that. Holy cow. And it's coming back around. I think for me, it's people because I am subcontracting for the first time in a while. 
So that's also different. I usually have worked for a company proper where I, you know, was in the shop and prepped the rig and it was my second time walking into a shop that I didn't work for or in on a regular basis and didn't clock in and out of um, while still having to build a rig and just learning how to integrate with different personalities and just different environments. And really just, we talk a lot about how, you know, at the end of the day, people are great and you can learn something from everybody. And I've done a lot of learning and picking up a lot of little tricks and just really simple workflow things. I think for me, it's been a really kind of a masterclass in workflow and the way Matt's monitor for ghost. Uh, and so I've been teching for him on this run and dude's a fucking wizard. It's what? Yeah. Love Kogel. Um, and just, I have learned a million and one little itsy bitsy details that make everything two seconds faster and cleaner and, his whole thing is I want to see the problem before it happens and solve it. And it's that working with that dude has been a just brilliant, brilliant masterclass in learning just not even the way he labels things, but like we keep fan ends in the back of the uh, backline racks. So I'm not patching XLR every day. It's so simple. So obvious makes it way faster. Never seen any, I have personally never been in a position where somebody was like, we should do that. And now I was like, I never want to not do that again. <laughs> um, just a hundred little things like that have been really great. Michael, same question. What, what have we been talking about recently or over this thing that you've come to be like, Oh yeah. 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 You know, it's it's a two in one. It is it is people, and it's for me. There's a um, this idea of advocating for your show, right? Um, first venue we walk into, and this is a, this is a challenging run for what I do because they these are smaller venues. All of them have lower trims. Most of them have lower trims. Some of them have weight limitations, um, bigger bays. And in, in the ceiling, so you're, you're inherently compromised from from six thirty in the morning. You're already like dealing with, well, we can't do what I what I ideally wanted to do. So how do we make it work? Um, and you know, first day show one, the conversation is, well, we don't usually do side hangs in here, and it could have <laughs> that could have just been it. And I have a sold map where there's like, well, there's six hundred people on the sides, so they need to hear something. So it's like, all right, well, what can we do? Can what, how much does this have to weigh for me to get something up? I, you know, I, I don't, obviously we're not going to hang our whole side hang, but what can we get up? Um, and so we need to just figure out options. And I think the thing that's almost scary, um, and can be overwhelming is I am the only person who's pushing back. If, if I was in catering and they go, we're not going to do deciding today and you just don't have a side hang. And now you've got uh, just a bunch of people that, that, that suffered for. And so there's, there's, if you don't, if you're not there for that dialogue, and you're not there to advocate and go, no, we got to do something. It just doesn't happen, and there's no check and balance on that. There's no someone who's going to come behind you and check your work. Um, the 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 model of shows doesn't allow for you to have two people that are going to come behind you and, and do the same job as you and just make sure like you got to do your gig. Um, and that and, and so I think that is sometimes it can be a real weight 
did it feel like, well, I didn't check and make sure that all of the front fills are on during the show. And that person who paid $700 for that front row VIP ticket now has their show ruined because they couldn't hear anything. Cause that one front fill the you know, the power con didn't latch or whatever. And it vibrated out during the second song and no one caught it because it was my job to catch it. And I didn't, so no one else did. So that, that kind of knife edge, there's no parachute to prevent, you know, someone, no one else is checking you, I think can be, can be a little scary sometimes. Um, but I also think that you have to learn to balance that because what I can't do is go in and yell at the riggers and say, well, we have to do a side hang and, and I can't, I can't burn that bridge. I need, I need everyone to get along. I want them to still like me at the end of the day when we leave and our touring rigger and I have to go and do however many more shows together. Right. So, so it's a bit of a ballet to go. I understand why I'm here and it's to make sure that I'm advocating for the stuff I'm supposed to advocate for. And if I don't do it, no one else is going to, and I can't run to management and get back and get a check on every decision. And I can't run to the artist and get a check on every decision. My whole point about being there is so they don't have to do that. But I also need to understand that there's a currency here and I don't, I have to spend that currency carefully and I can't push it every day or no one's going to want to deal with me. So I think knowing when to, I'll give you just basic example. When you're looking at your design, you go, gee, I could do this with 16 boxes, but I'd, 18 is better. Yeah, but it means the PA tech's got to split a card. And so that just, it it's a little more hassle. So you have to weigh it and you go, is, is the benefit going from 16 to 18 enough to create the extra hassle for the techs? And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no. So I try to design it in, in groups of four when I can. And sometimes you're like, man, I really need the extra two today. Um, but just, I think something that's been a tremendous learning experience for me is getting more context about how everything else works and what happens to lighting and video when I make my arrays a little bit longer and what happens to the PA text day when they have to do the, the cart split and where does that cart of two go during the show and, and learning how all those little things that aren't directly playing into my specific narrow scope of work, but definitely relate to it and are affected by it. Helping you absorb all of that. Like Sam was saying, just get these little bits here and there can help me make better decisions in the long run. And, and that's kind of a process that I think you don't ever stop. You always are kind of, um, it's kind of like if you pick, this is the stupidest metaphor in history of the show, but if you spill like lucky charms on your rug and you're going around with the vacuum, you're just kind of grabbing up these little bits right? <laughs> like as you go and you just, you get, you just get more and more of that there. And then every time going forward, you have to make that decision. You've got more bits of context to it. And part of that is what I like about it, but part of that kind of wears you out, man. You know, it's like, it, it can be, yeah, it can be, uh, I want to say fatiguing to try to balance yeah. all those things all the time. You so know, when Chris, you, oh, sorry, you came off. into their show and you were a spectator. We all know, and this is where I want to blow it up. What were you like? <laughs> oh man, that's cool. And then you got to tell me that, Oh man, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, well, First off, for many of those of you who are in our our social groups, probably saw me make a, a kind of a post about this, um, and you know, it was the language I used was this is a very full circle experience. Um, getting to work with Michael and Sam on a show after for the last three years, what started from just a conversation that Michael and I had turned into me happened to be here every week and, and, and all the things that we talked about, I I bet you, I'm willing to bet that if I went to, you know, an overarching theme of every episode we've done for the last 170 some episodes, 
I saw one of those things at the at the show, right, in one way or another, right, uh, and yeah. it was. Um, many of you know I'm a very introspective, or I, I think about things a lot, right? And 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 uh, uh, I was I don't know I feel like I was somewhat quiet during the day. Actually, same you kind of noticed this a little bit too. Like, you were but, because uh, I was like, yo, is is Chris like? I go, he seems yeah, like, we were like pretty like, fucking unimpressed with all this. Like, no, no, I was no, I was I was taking it in. I was I was I so a couple things. First off, I, I like studying people. Right, and I like studying interactions, and that's what I did most of the day, quite frankly. Um, and look, you guys, uh, because of things, um, y'all relate um, to the loaded right by almost four hours, right? So, I mean, like, we were like, you guys were working up until doors, uh, uh, actually, they held doors, <laughs> quite frankly, to get the show off the ground, right? Um, so there was that hurdle, you know. I saw you make decisions, like you just said, like there was issues with house rigging and your tour rigger uh, and compromising. Um, and, you know, um, you made decisions that didn't compromise the integrity of the show, but still was able to benefit the people who had to deploy it, um, both from the local riggers to your fly techs, what, like, like all those, like, but then these were all like very quick decisions we had to make. Um, I got to watch your interactions with three different front house engineers and, all three of them had different thoughts, different reactions, and different relationships with you, right? Um, so that was one thing. Um, there was health issues that day that um, needed to be a priority, were made a priority, and got taken care of. There was definitely mental health issues of things happening that day um, that sparked in one way or another, right? So, like, um, uh, and these are just all things we've talked about, Um um, uh, and then just just your process, right? We talked about. So anyway, so for me, there wasn't anything like holy shit. I wouldn't have really done it that way. Um, you know, uh, like nobody's snare sounded like garbage. Chris, come on, man. <laughs> Whose snare sounded um, like garbage? No, don't just do that, Kyle. Really. Come on now. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> it, it's we. You, you know what you know, though? You know, it, it is a good sounding show, man. It's a good. It's sounding, a good looking show. It's a good sounding show. I was reminded again because I saw I saw at least Ghost uh, on the Volbeat tour or Ghost Volbeat tour back in January or whatever. I was reminded again of like you know what I, I'm personally not confident that if I were to return to touring audio, um, I don't know that I'd want to be front of house right. Like I really wrestled with I, the sound of the arena annoys the shit out of me. It's like, screw that. I'm going to go back to ears and I'm going to mix this environment that I can control and all of that. Right. So, like, I enjoyed the experience. I mean, the show sounded good, but there was still a part of me going, like, eh, this room is annoying the crap. Well, that's out. why we choose arenas because they have such great acoustical properties. That's why we choose right. shows. Like but, oh, oh, but, one but that's a real part I, of the, the conversation, but, right? I, I, all right. Here's another thing I, I got to watch you watch the audience and you, you purposely. You like towards the end of the set of Ghost. You went towards behind front of house. You looked back. You you I saw you watch the audience. You found a group that was just intently into the show. You went back to front of house. You grabbed a set list. You grabbed some of the the money things that Ghost spits out of their confetti or whatever that you have stashed in your drawer, and you handed it to them. And you made that experience for those people tenfold what it was had you not come up to them. That's you didn't twenty need to do that. Um. No, it's it's. But, 
a lot of people love to come to front of house and like, can I set list? And it's like, I'd rather give it to someone who like couldn't get the floor seat, you know, and find that kid who's like way up in the back and just wanted to be in the room. Uh, but no, I, I think from a technical angle, there's a very, very real conversation there about, Hey, I don't like the way it sounds in here, but is it the mix? Is it the PA or is it just the fact that we're in a fucking arena? Yeah. And you know, the only t- time that, Dave and I talk about what's going on with the PA. It's literally, do you want me to pull that out of my processing or does he want to do it in his desk? And nine, 99% of the time he goes, I'm going to do it on my desk. Cause I think it's going to, that's going to change when the room fills up. And so there's, there's a lot of dialogue about, is this something with the way we've done the deployment today? Is this a mixed thing or is this just an atmospheric and environmental thing that's going to change? And it can be difficult to tell. It really can. Um, so that's a lot of what we talk about during the day is what what problems are we going to chase and what problems are we going to just like, come to peace with because it's either just that's the way the room's going to be or we think mm-hmm. it's going to change later and we're not going to go chasing that and and if you are not thinking about that you can really dig yourself into a hole uh chasing things that you know so one example mix engineers weren't used to being arenas let's say your band comes from clubs you, then you do theaters and you go to arenas well all of a sudden it's really reverberant your intelligibility is going to be poorer in an arena period just because it's a bigger space. It's a reverberant space. A lot of mixed engineers who aren't used to that feel like they need to turn up because they're not getting the intelligibility. And so they turn up and they turn up and they turn up and their shows just get crazy, crazy loud, but they don't get more intelligible. You're still in an arena. So part of that is experience of knowing, is there something I can do in the mix to, to affect this? Or do I just need to go, well, that's what it's going to be. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a thing that if you're not, if you're not making good decisions there, you can really create a big mess. And then, then when you let 6,000 people in and it changes, do you have an even bigger mess because you went and did a bunch of stuff that you shouldn't have done? You know, I mean, Kyle, you, I'm sure you've thought a lot about that same thing, right? I mean, but that's, that's the room. Yeah, you can't, you're not going to win. So, so, so then it becomes, well, we don't like this, but don't, don't cause a bunch of chaos elsewhere because of this thing that you can't control. Right. Uh, so uh, I, I think we could have an episode on what you just said uh, as well is system engineers ability to contour the mix after you've contoured the room. God damn, man, that's loud. <laughs> Kyle, that was Jeez. a little aggressive there, but Oh, <laughs> um. Well, there's a there's a huge a huge variable there is what is your relationship with front of house? Yep. Right. If it's a one off, I'm not going to go digging. Uh, sometimes I don't even feel like I can say anything about the mix to them. We don't have that relationship. There are Dave and I have done 37 shows together, 38 something like that. We talk a lot about the mix, and we talk a lot about yeah, it's a little bright, but I you know I think that's just that that's a drum bleed into the vocal mics um, and it's not in the top end of the PA. So I'm not going to go and EQ the whole PA because you've got three inputs that are contributing. We can have that conversation and we've built that up over time where we have a good working relationship. We can have those things and he can say, Hey, your PA is a little bright and I'm not offended by that. I'm going to go, okay, let me adjust it. And I can say to him, I think that the symbol bleeds what's doing it and he can go. Okay. And, and so we, uh, we've built that 
but I can't go into a one-off with a front of house engineer yeah. that I don't have that relationship with and try those things. You just have to go, well, this is what I have control over and I'm either going to go after it or I'm not. Um, that's, that kind of wraps it to what, what you were saying before though, right? Like that's, that is not just a technical issue. There is a huge element of people involved in that. And maybe the solution is something that I can't say for political reasons to another person. Uh, like for example, Kyle, you'll love this one. Maybe your lead singer is on the wrong mic. Maybe what would be best for the show is to get that lead singer on a different mic. I can't go to the lead singer and say, hey, dude, you're on the wrong mic. Like, maybe that's what the problem is. But if I can't fix it, what I'm not going to do is hack the PA up because that's not the right solution. It just makes it worse for everything else. So, yeah, there's there, – that's been a lot I of time doing that, that this tour. <laughs> well, here, here's the story. I inherited a show file. I went in and started getting my gains back into structure. I – the, the band uses certain microphones that I'm not a fan of. Um, the first day of tour, I took the sticks out of the thing and they had the normal capsule on it and I got them sounding good. And they're like, Oh no, those aren't the ones we use. We use these other ones. They're red for Sammy. And I was like, okay, so I screwed it on and I was like, that's what you guys use. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and that becomes political at a point too, because then you yeah. look around the deck and you see some other, the same manufacturer and you're like, okay. Um, so I'm not at a point where I can advocate, but I'm glad you said that because i um, been doing a lot of work on this show file. We just got a new drum tech today. We just got a new front of house guy for the last three days of tour. And I couldn't be happier. Like all my gains, I, we went into a club venue today. We've been playing amphitheaters all summer and I went into a club venue today and my EQs and my desk mix, I just opened up the desk and listened to a vocal microphone. And I was like, hallelujah. I'm there. <laughs> hallelujah. It, so it, it's been, it's fun to listen. And that's why I asked all three of you that question, because I really think that I'm finding value in this podcast when it, sometimes I was just kind of like, oh, whatever, we're talking about this thing again. But those things are coming back around, and it's making a difference in my mentality, in my mental calmness, in my ability mm-hmm. to troubleshoot and stay a little bit more focused than I would if I didn't have been on these podcasts with you guys. Um, I've picked up so many little bits and pieces that I'm starting to play a part in daily life. Uh, mm-hmm. on this tour and um i i love being that guy that's like calm down all we gotta do is plug it in <laughs> everything's gonna be fine just make sure it comes on we're good you know and and that's a that's a battle like you said four hours late to load in there's a battle that day but it's not like you're not plugging in the same pa that you plugged in yesterday you know no, and you it's, can't i i i'm frustrated but i can't be frustrated at my crew i can't be frustrated at you know what i mean like you have to and i think that's something that a lot of people don't do well is look dude we're all frustrated right now we're all late you know we're all on the same bus that was late but it's not my fault we were late so don't don't put that on me you know it's it's very easy to snap or to be rude and it's not directed at that person you're just frustrated and i get it but uh that when you have to like all be in a family together yeah you can't do that. I, I love the know? dynamics yeah. that I bring to the crew. Like I'm happy with myself now. So I could be happy with that dynamic to be able to tell somebody, Hey man, calm down. 
walk away. What, whatever you got to do, like let's not let's not go there. We're plugging stuff in the same way we did yesterday. We just got to make sure it comes on. Everything's gonna be fine. You know what I mean? Like you got to have that voice of rationale to sometimes stop the questions of of what's happening or why is this happening or you know like explain the situation to five different people on stage before you go fix the problem. Right. Like that's I noticed that's a, a go to is is not necessarily the blame being f- for somewhere else it's not going directly to fix the thing calmly and get it done so you don't have to tell the story five times about mm-hmm. why it didn't work or whatever the case may be like um i see a lot well, of that like yeah and i learned this don't tell your pm that something's wrong until <laughs> you've tried to fix it right because well that's what i was going to say too is if you come to me and go, hey, dude, we can't do this thing or this thing doesn't work, I can go, what the fuck? Or I can go, okay, explain it to me or ask a question. My first thing I want to do is get as much information as I can about what's going on. And then I want to either make a decision or go talk to the PM, whatever you said. But like, yeah. instead of going, what the fuck, man? Like, As a know, department, as yeah. a department, right. there's departments. Shut the fuck up. How about that? <laughs> we do this as a department first before we take this yeah. to anybody outside of our department. If you have a problems with someone on somebody else's department, shut the fuck up. We'll take care of it in our department first, and then your crew chief or whoever will go handle whatever needs to be handled. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I've learned big time this time is like people need to shut the fuck up and do their <laughs> shit and keep it to their department because the more invisible you are to the PM, the TM, and that bit of management that sits elsewhere, they don't care that your 2130 is not long enough. They really don't. Like, <laughs> and, and it's just something, if you put your face in that kind of visibility with those kind of people all the time, it's just going to cause a bad thing to happen. Like, yeah. let's figure this out ourselves. And if it's unfigurable, then we'll go and figure mm-hmm. out how to politically give this to the upper management so it doesn't sound like a huge fucking issue. Well, well, the other thing about that, Sam, Kyle, Sam, that you've said on, before. Sam, oh, Sam's sorry. been itching for a minute here. Go ahead, Sam. Well, the other thing I want to add, right, is that there's a lot of value in knowing that you can be trusted to handle something or fix something. Like, And whether that's between engineers, right? We have two different bands on this run where one front of house monitor has been together for a good chunk of time. And one other front of house monitor has been together for a lesser chunk of time. And they both work great. They both have way different dynamics. Um, but I'm teching for both of them. I'm teching for all four of them. And so knowing that, hey, they know that if for some reason anything breaks in control world on either end, right, is they go, okay, well, this person can fix this. And if not, then they have a whole department they will go to. And within your department, you have people that you know that, you know that you're really good at fixing this, or if I have this issue, I can go to this person and we can figure it out. And if for some reason you can't figure it out, that's when you have the ability to do the crew chief thing and say, whether it's interpersonal or technical, you have a place for it to go. But without that base level of trust and mutual agreement, understanding that people can do their gig, you you've got nowhere else to go. Because the, the problem is if you don't trust that the people you're working with can do their gig, then, and, and vice versa, if people don't trust that you're going to do your gig, 
then everything goes straight to the top and everything becomes an emergency and everything becomes urgent and everything becomes way that. out of proportion. You don't want that. And so that's the thing, right? Is just yep. starting with that base level of if the console's not passing audio, all right, let me fix it. Great, I fixed it. We're moving on to the next thing. Whatever. That was that was inconvenient. Moving on. As opposed to or even if I can't fix it right, you know, our crew chief is a whiz with some stuff. Let's, let's see what he thinks. Let's, you know, um, and I have had to do a lot of repair work this run more than I was anticipating. Yeah. Uh, so it, and leave it in, it has, like you said, like leave it, in, right. you know, sort it out until it can't be sorted out. And it, it's amazing to me that people still go around and tell five other camps and five other people's the problem that you had when it don't do that because it might get, around like one you're it talking will. about it will it will that's what i was stop. gonna say it, it, yeah, this shit doesn't die hard. man it's fucking gonna go right. yeah if you have a problem with somebody about the way they interpersonally handled something or whatever go to them and sort it out like well, don't tell five other people because then those five other people tell that dude or whatever and it'll just turn into a shit show like well and i have a personal rule that when somebody asks me how my day goes and if it was just like a really, really rough day, uh, I will only mention technical things. Like if I have to, for some reason, feel like I have to be like, yeah, this sucked a little bit. I can be like, yeah, this console broke. Or, you know, I had to, this didn't pass audio. I had to fix it. Like I, I never talk about people, period. Like if, if your day goes to hell and somebody asks and you're just very clearly can't look at somebody and be like, my day was great because you look like you've been beat up. And that's when people start to be like, are you really okay, bro? Like just if you've got a cop to it, make it technical, make it not personal and just straight up. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, man. Because well, everybody one knows. One things me, I'm like, that was great. Band had fun. Well, yeah. If you Gator if you have a, if you piece. have uh uh I'm gonna use the colloquial phrase dickhead. If you have a dickhead on your crew, oh. everyone's Stop gonna figure out that, that person's me. a dickhead. So you don't need to go and tell everybody on the crew that that person's a dickhead because it's self evident behavior. So what you need to do is is let that fall on them and don't don't do something that could then you know if you start talking right. about somebody that's gonna come back on you. Just let everyone will figure out if that person's a jerk. They'll figure it out. Just. You know what I mean? That's that's a, a thing yeah. too. Is just let that run its course. You want to hear about my big, my my green rookie mistake I made at the Made in America Festival that I worked like a week ago. Yeah, <laughs> don't call yourself green. You're not green. You're yellow. No. So I just to to, to jump off what we we're talking about, and you know we're against the proverbial clock that I don't care about. Um, so. I got to work a festival, uh, a decent sized festival, a uh, couple couple weeks ago, and um, and I realized a couple things on how I'm out of practice or have been somewhat disengaged from regular rock and roll, um, and uh, you know, like like simple things of like some of the troubleshooting tips of like you know when you're doing a festival and you're patching you know multiple bands and something's not working and you know the immediate go-to points versus checking something else first like some of those things kind of came back to me but in the setup phase um i uh i was responsible for running all the power um and getting all the feeder for um the distros for you know monitor world and amps and all this stuff get everything tied together and um 
there's this a small distro to handle model world and I was patching it in and I um, was telling myself like hey you should probably turn the power off to add this other distro um, but I was like you know what no 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 I, I know the rules you plug in ground neutral and then you're hot and you're all good and, and it's it's all safe it's all good and I was and I was doing this right it was all good and the monitor engineer was like no 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 I, I want this distro over here and I'm and like you know and I'm like uh, all right fine whatever right and um and I go to slide the distro over and I had only had the ground plugged in and the hots are sitting there next to me and the aluminum of the distro touched the black the hot of the live feeder and arced right next to my knee and burnt a hole into the aluminum extrusion of the PD right next to my knee. Um, and obviously freaked everyone out, freaked myself out. I was like, motherfucker. Right. I was like, Sick. I knew, I knew better. Right. Like I knew better. <laughs> like, and here's the funny thing. Uh, not funny. Shame, I, 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 I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make light of this. Like I, I, I definitely was in the wrong in all of this. I went, turned power off, reconnected, whatever. I, for, it's been literally burned into my brain since I was, um, young at MSI to not plug and unplug power hot. Now, I know you can do it if you do it properly, but there was a Motion Labs distro one time that um, this guy was, um, you know, we, tr we traditionally would loop through our, our distros from one side of the stage to the other, like in theaters, we'll right? Call them brand um, a. Uh, and uh, yes, I won't name the brand. It doesn't really matter. But um, the loop, the loop through on a lot of these distros, A, don't have a breaker. Um, and B, have this metal door that flaps over the hots. So typically it keeps it safe because, you know, you, you don't stick your fingers in there. Well, um, I saw a person who was disconnecting this um, stage, you know, you know, this loop through, went to pull the hots first, which is what you do, pulled one of the hots. And when they went to turn the cam, the rubber of the cam turned and they pulled back, but the copper pin stayed in the distro and the door that was covering it flapped closed, hit the copper arced and blew a hole in the corner of the distro while we're loading out. So that's been literally, I was vividly remembering and telling myself like, Oh, Hey, remember this thing happened like 20 years ago. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And then this happens to me. So lesson learned, please Make sure your power is off when you're connecting or disconnecting your cams, no matter if you know the process or not. You're here. <laughs> I didn't tell you guys this. I was waiting to tell you guys here as opposed to tell you guys in Texas this happened to me. But uh, I literally had like a burn mark like on my knee. Not like I didn't get burned, but like, like the like the black, um, uh, you know, from like the arc or whatever. Literally like, you know, was across my knee. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, well glad you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the festival is amazing. Oh, Look at all four of us here. Holy yeah. smokes. You guys are beautiful. And I only I get to meet Katie in person. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was awesome. Uh, and a bunch of other people. Um, it was uh, it was a fun. It, and th actually, um, Kyle, the thing you had said, I don't know, recently, um, you like uh -oh. uh, driving. You, well, no, no, no. It was a good thing. Like You, like, dr you recognize that you missed like, really running a crew. And like getting shit done, and uh, I definitely had that moment of like loadout of like that adrenaline. Like I definitely love driving a crew, and like I was like I was I had so much fun ripping that out. It was uh it was it was it was good mental and physical exercise getting that festival out. 
Uh, Kyle, why don't you rip some shout-outs before we wrap it up here, man? Uh, well, I, before this thing, I only got three days left on it, so I got to do it now. So um, I had a tech on this tour. His name is Kyle as well, but thank goodness he's tall, and he has came with a nickname that already was around for longer than me. Um, his name is Shorty. He has taken care of me for this thing. Um, we've taken care of each other. Um, Alistair, our production manager, is amazing. Like, uh, here's the deal. When I got the gig with Sammy Hagar and Circle, I wasn't super impressed. And then I saw the lineup, and it was Jason Bonham and Michael Anthony and Vic Johnson with Sammy. And every song is a hit. This guy is 74 years old. He puts on a hell of a show every night. I am having so much fun out here. My crew is excellent. Uh, the techs awesome. are legends. The techs have worked for all the legends, like uh, Doogie, Michael, Anthony's bass tech has been with him since he was 17 years old. His parents had to give him permission to go out on tour with Van Halen. Like The amount of stories and the legends that I am working for every night are is amazing. So shout out to Shorty and um, Jess and Jacob, obviously flying the PA. You guys know those cats. Well, you guys know Jess flying the Meyer PA. Um, Tom Fairbrian, is that it? Uh, we chatted from the UK. I uh, want to shout out our UK and Europe and overseas members. It is blowing up. So here's the deal. We're stupid Americans, or we're stupid United States Americans. So please, if there's something that we need to talk about that you guys experienced that we don't really have a grasp on yet, like you guys can't make ketchup or Coca-Cola right, <laughs> um, if it's similar to that, we would love to address it on the show or on our Facebook group or our discord, please. Um, the, you, the rest of the world is just as relevant as our dumb American asses. So, um, we would love to hear from you and we would love for you guys to be able to share your knowledge because obviously, um, not many of USPAs are out there. They're all, uh, uh, foreign. I mean, there's Meyer and, Adamson's up on our hat of Amer of the U.S., but um, you guys are onto something. So please join our Discord, join the Facebook, send us messages if we're not touching on something that we should be um, because of other countries and where we're located. We would love to get in that. This is worldwide, worldwide, and a bunch of y'all who are in Europe could quite possibly see Sam because for the last quarter of the year Sam is going to be touring all over Europe in freaking stadiums um, so yeah by Michael's book we're not going to talk about it though he, <laughs> he has a book. let us know all right. I'll wrap, wrap that shit up thanks everyone this has been super fun <laughs> <laughs> okay all right. I love you so all. great have to see a, you guys have a wonderful week <laughs>